to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence, preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sugar Coated. I am your host, Adrian Garland, and I am so excited today to be speaking with Valika Brown. She's the CEO and founder of eRoadmap Corporation, and she is doing some incredible things in this world that I cannot wait to talk to her about today. So welcome to Sugar Coated, Valika. Thank you, Adrian. I'm happy to be here. All right. So why don't you sort of take us back a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you started your nonprofit organization? What led to you doing the great work that you do? Well, I I thank you for that question. And it's interesting because I started off as an entrepreneur. I came out of college and I remember graduating from Virginia State University and I moved to D.C., And I worked right downtown and just being so young, something hit me. I was looking at people that were older than I was and they were staying later than I was staying at the job. And immediately I said, this can't be my life. (laughs) You know, there has to be something else. And I got started in the entrepreneurial lane a, a long time ago, over 25 years ago. And Along that journey, I was just very fortunate to have some amazing mentors who obviously can guide you along the way and teach you some great skill sets. And And my mind changed and my life changed. And, and I just remember sitting there saying, oh, my gosh, I've got to teach these concepts and principles to kids, you know, because I think they don't do because they don't know. And I started thinking about how to do that and creating a nonprofit seemed like the best idea. And initially it was just a bunch of data dumping, you know, about a hundred type pages of what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. And I came up with eRoadmap because that stands for E for the entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is the roadmap to success. And Mm. on paper, it started in 2007 and we just continued to grow. I love it. And first of all, congratulations for recognizing that sitting behind a desk, you know, before your boss gets there, after your boss leaves and sitting there all day doing something that you might not be passionate about just for a paycheck, recognizing that that is not that that was not for you and then taking action to get out of that situation. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't have the guts. And so just congratulations for, for taking that stuff. I, I, I admire that greatly. Yeah, it was, it was a big step. And, and you're right, because there are a lot of factors to consider. 
You know, you think about, well, where's my paycheck going to come from? You know, how am I going to survive? What else is out there? And fortunately for me, I did grow up in an environment and a household where my father was an entrepreneur and my mother was an educator. So I saw my father in his early 20s taking chances, building a business. And sometimes you really don't know how important that modeling knowledge is. That was just something I saw and it just kicked in at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that going through high school and even in college, unless you specifically take a class like on entrepreneurship or something, it's not it's not a topic that gets talked about a lot. I think maybe now younger people are exposed to to that more because entrepreneurship is more popular. But I definitely think that entrepreneurship, it has the ability to teach people such great lessons. I I actually, it's so funny because I I teach entrepreneurship at both NYU and at Rice University. And what I like to talk about is the fact that it, it was almost a secondary benefit that entrepreneurship allowed me to understand myself in a way that I would have never if I kept going down the corporate path. Oh, for sure. It will absolutely introduce you to yourself (laughs) because of all the challenges and the hurdles. I mean, entrepreneurship is all about core mental toughness. You know what I'm Mm. saying? It's like you got to get out there and get it. And, And there's no one else that can do it for you. And my journey with entrepreneurship started from sales. And that is a wonderful introduction because for me, it was 100% commission. So I knew if I didn't sell, I didn't eat. So I had to get used to those lean months. And in those lean months, I had to work on my craft and my skill because I knew that my check would increase with my skill set. So for sure, entrepreneurship will wake you all the way up. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if I, I like ever heard that before. It's so true though. Like it will wake you up. Yes. Yes. Oh my yes. goodness. So w- tell me w- within within your nonprofit organization, do you teach sort of the the mindset and the skills behind entrepreneurship? Tell me tell me more about that. Yes, we do. And so we've expanded the nonprofit now. But when we started off, it was all about entrepreneurship. And when I moved here to Florida, I'm in West Palm Beach, and we started off doing Shark Tank events for youth. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be theoretical. I wanted to be hands-on. These kids could really launch a viable business from finishing the workshop. And I'll tell you a quick story. We were called into Lake Worth, Florida, to teach a bunch of kids entrepreneurship to help offset the economic constraints of their families. So the Lake Worth community, that area um, is a small community. And oftentimes the fast food restaurants, those jobs are reserved for the kids. But for whatever reason, this particular time, the parents were consuming the jobs. And so now the kids didn't have a way to make extra money to bring into the household. So they called me in and I taught entrepreneurship for 16 weeks. I mean, I taught those kids how to pitch, posture, how to walk, how to hold your head up, how to do a business plan, you know, how to prospect. I mean, all of that follow up. 
And I also wrote a book. I, I wrote a book for teens and I wrote some um, coloring books for little kids to start introducing them to entrepreneurship as well. So we did Shark Tank events throughout Florida. We partnered with a nonprofit in Detroit and we, we did a Shark Tank up there as well. Um, and now we've expanded and the nonprofit focuses on entrepreneurship etiquette. So we run etiquette academies, financial mm. literacy, mm. health and wellness. And that's a big initiative where we're mm. literally creating food forests in areas that were deemed as food deserts. And we're also in the educational space for preschoolers. Mm. So um, it's, it's been a great journey. I am just blown away by everything that you are doing. And, you know, it's like the core tenant of entrepreneurship is to solve problems, right? Right. We think about, like, when the media portrays entrepreneurs, they're they're holding up people that are, you know, maybe creating technological advancements and, and all of that kind of stuff. That's one breed of entrepreneur. But sort of like the essence of entrepreneurship is to solve the world's problems and deliver value, right? So what you're doing is just that. It's like the, this, this community that brought you in to say like, hey, we've got a problem here. Like, let's use entrepreneurship to solve it. And and you don't have to be, you know, this multi-billionaire. You start with what you have where you are and then build from there. I love this so much. And if we could apply this approach and, and have this mindset from when we're young that like, hey, when there's a problem, there's a way to solve it and we can actually deliver value here. Like, oh, I just love what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. And the connection is with your income is attached to the amount of problems that you solve. You know, I remember listening to Jim Rohn and I'm sure everyone has grown up on Jim Rohn. And he told a story about a guy working in a job and the guy was complaining. He said, I'm not making enough money. They're not paying me enough money. And mm -hmm. Jim Rohn looked around. He said, well, is everyone making your money? And the guy thought about it. Jim Rohn said, no, that's all they're paying you because that's all the value that you're bringing to the company. And so when I think about being an entrepreneur, everything for me is solution oriented. I look at where the problem is, I come with a solution, and then I pitch it. And yeah. I pitch it and I pitch it and I pitch it until it lands on the right people and then we build it. Mm. Wow. This is life lesson right here. You know, and you might not always have the exact solution, but if you can, and I, I talk about this in, in my class, if you can really understand the problem, and sometimes the problem isn't really the problem, right? Sometimes it's th that thing that's like below it. That's what the 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 core of the problem is. If you can understand that better than anybody else, that's where these amazing solutions come from. Because you get it. You get where the pain points are. Right, right. And it goes, it speaks to the root cause. And there's a root cause of everything. When we started teaching entrepreneurship, we knew the root cause was, especially in these marginalized communities, our Black kids do not have access to mentors. 
They just Mm -hmm. don't have access to mentors in abundance. They don't grow up with libraries in their home. So they're not reading these books. You know, they hadn't heard of Jim Rohn. They hadn't heard of Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, you know, Augment Dingo. They haven't heard of these great people. And so it becomes a situation where you have to pay it forward. And that's what happened for me. I knew that I was introduced to these individuals. I saw how my life was changing and I wanted to pass it forward. And that's just what we continue to do. Yeah. What you just said there is so important too. I was actually just interviewing another woman earlier today for the podcast and she's in the financial investments world and, you know, she said how as she was growing up, she was surrounded by, you know, finance. So like her parents were in the finance industry, like CPAs, financial people, whatever. And so the the reason that she's sort of in the, the world that she's in today and that she knows how to speak the language to these high net worth individuals is because she grew up around it. And I love the fact that she like recognized the the privilege of that you know that and and I said to her too like lean into it because we all should right like the things that we know we shouldn't like push away from them and feel any shame about it if that is what you know how do you lean into that how can you take what you know take your privilege and do things to improve lives improve the lives of other people with what you know and that's exactly what she's doing, which which is so incredibly inspiring. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. It, it it comes through education. And yeah, if you don't have those books in your house, if your you know parents aren't listening to the podcast and then talking about it around the the dinner table, how in the world will you be exposed to it unless it's through school? And schools are not incented to teach kids about entrepreneurship, about finance, about managing your money and how to get, you know, how to bring wealth into your life. They just don't do it. Right. They don't. And it's interesting because one of our funders, he came to me because he heard about our initiative, Operation No Food Gap, around health and wellness. But when we started talking, he realized that we taught financial literacy. And this is a gentleman who's a billionaire. And he said, you know, Valika, let's get back to teaching financial literacy. Why can't we bring that to the forefront? Why? And he was just like you, just not understanding why the schools won't put an emphasis on financial literacy. And so when we started teaching financial literacy, we spoke to the kids about creating a budget and understanding how the family itself has a budget. We Mm -hmm. spoke to them about digital currency back in the day when it first came out. And I joked on another interview. I said, we even gave the kids some Bitcoin. Maybe they'll remember me and give me some back today. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so but those are the conversations that need to happen, because when the kids get out of school, of course, at best, they may have a savings account, but they certainly don't know about an investment account that's better than a checking account. So we have to continue to pay the information forward. So so you do all the work that you do and I want to I definitely want to talk about Operation No Food Gap because again it's this is so important. So you are doing the the work now primarily in in Florida. Do you have bigger plans to take this, you know, nationwide because this work is so important? 
We, we do have plans. And right now we're just scaling it out. You know, we're building our network of funders, of partners, and we actually get the calls already <laughs> to come to different states. But, you know, we, we have to be able to support it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the work is needed and this type of conversation is needed as well. You know, just a very very detailed conversation about what the true problem is and what the solutions are and what's not working, you know? Yeah. So for me, when I came into this market, cause I moved to Florida from Maryland, I'm from Virginia, but I came here and the first thing I wanted to do was to get out in this climate and network, you know, mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, that's the first thing you do. You get out here, get the pulse of the city, understand who the players are. And then you you make a name for yourself by doing the work. And so by doing the work, that opened the doors for me to have more conversations. And those conversations allowed me to ask the right questions. What are your challenges? How can I help? And that's how we were able to expand from just entrepreneurship all the way now to health and wellness, because those were the pain points of this county. Yeah. So smart. I mean, you know, it's like you're making me smile because, the, you know, this is what we also talk about in, in the entrepreneurship classes is to to get out there, right? To to immerse yourself in the problem and, and talk to people and ask open-ended questions that allow you to listen for what the pain points are and not to put your own uh, thoughts about what you think the problem is to just validate it. And that's so hard to do. Like that is so hard to do because we, it it doesn't come from a bad place. It it comes from like, I think this is a great idea. Don't you think that this is a great idea too? But when you, when you, when you approach a conversation like this, it's that it's going to steer in one direction versus like, Hey, tell me, like, I noticed this. Tell me more about that. Right, right. And, and, you know, as a new entrepreneur, sure, we get excited and you're right. You can't see this idea. Are you kidding me? Like, this is everything, (laughs) you know, but now I've learned that you really do have to ask the questions and you also have to put in the work. You know, what has worked to my favor is my mindset is if you build it, they'll come. So Mm. I just build things and then my sponsors come and then my partners come because they know Valika's going to get it done. So if what she's looking to do is in alignment with our goals and what we're looking to achieve, we need a partner with her. And, And so that's what I would express to the entrepreneurs. Before you really overly express your idea, You know, maybe have some type of palette out there. Well, you know, what are your thoughts about this? Well, this is what I've been doing and I found this. And it gives you a little bit more credibility. Yeah, it gives it also gives people something tangible to to see and to see other possibility. And this reminds me, I was talking to somebody the other day about chat GBT, which I think is amazing, by the way. Um, But 
we were talking about how sometimes if you have to write something and we were talking about like a testimonial or something, you know, sometimes when you stare at the piece of paper, it's like you sort of know what you want to say, but it's so hard to get started using the chat GPT and being able to put in like, okay, write me a testimonial that covers these things and does that. Even if it spits something out to you and you're like, nah, that's not it. You can then say, that's not it, but this is actually it. And so it like gets you going. And I feel like what you're talking about is if entrepreneurs took some time and put something out there and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it's like that tangible thing that someone can react to and, and as the entrepreneur, knowing that you're putting this out and it's going to change. So you you put it out so that so that you get the feedback. It it helps. It's it's momentum causing. It is, and you're absolutely right because we did that in particular with Operation No Food Gap. So mm-hmm. in in our health and wellness pillar before COVID, we would have small events teaching nutrition. We built a small community garden, but when COVID hit, everything was about hunger. It was terrible what was happening, you know, all over the world. And I'm a big proponent of feeding people. So I had my friends who had food distributions calling me. I'm driving 30, 40 miles away, filling up my car with the with the food boxes, giving it out to residents. And I knew that was okay, but I felt like that was so reactive. You know, I felt like, come on, this it has to be a better way. So I sat with myself. And my thoughts. And I came up with the title Operation No Food Gap and I built it out. And what we do with Operation No Food Gap is we're more proactive versus reactive. And we take unused parcels of land. We work with cities, municipalities, and we focus on marginalized communities that are deemed food deserts. And we build farms and gardens with the residents, for the residents. There's one particular area in Riviera Beach, Florida. Within 10 months, we grew 12,000 pounds of non-GMO organic produce and gave to the residents. And then we have wraparound services to educate the residents about what we're doing, cooking demos, art therapy. We've built three spaces and we've built a fresh market on site. We have a delivery van. So to my point, I know you're like, this needs to be a whole nother podcast. I know. know. Yeah, But to my point, the thing is, that was my solution that I put on paper and I pitched and, and I sit on the hunger relief task force for Palm Beach County so I could hear the, the pain, you know, those pain points. But I also saw the opportunity. And that's what our entrepreneurs need to always look for. Yes, something sounds good, but it may not be great. What are they missing? And that's where you can go in and make the difference. Mm, Gosh, so smart. So, so smart. So inspiring. I mean, I'm sitting here just with my mouth open because I am so incredibly inspired. And, you know, I almost want to take a step back because I think that maybe people don't necessarily understand the concept of a food desert. And I would love for you to explain even what that is, because I know that not everybody understands what that means. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's good that we're talking about it because we have all these phrases and cliches out here that no one really has a true conversation about and people want to understand and they want to help. So yeah. a food desert is primarily a community where within a certain mile radius, there are not grocery stores that residents can get to. So typically in your marginalized communities, you have these corner stores. And what happens with the corner stores is they accept SNAP, EBT, Fresh Access Bucks. But to do that, you have to have some type of fruit in the store. And they'll have an old banana, right? (laughs) That old banana allows them to accept SNAP, which allows the people to buy chips and Funyuns, right? Because there's no grocery store. So the idea is how do you creatively create a food forest in an area that's a food desert and educate the residents about it so we can improve the health disparities of marginalized people? And that's what we do. I love it. And I think that that's why it's so important too. It's, you know, it's bringing this idea of health and wellness, not even just for health and wellness sake, although of course for health and wellness sake, but when communities are healthier, they make better choices. They improve their economic standing and they get out of some of the situations that they're in that that they were sort of born into, right? It's like the and and it's when I think about a food desert and and even the way that you described it, you, you could think to yourself, well, you know, that's out in the middle of nowhere. But but this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about rural areas in the middle of nowhere that, you know, you can't get to a grocery store for 20 minutes. We're talking about population dense areas where there are a lot of people and that there there is access with, you know, transportation and and everything, but there's actually not fresh food available, which seems crazy. Mm -hmm. It it seems crazy, but it happens every day, everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, if you just play that out, if you're, you know, if you're eating, if you only have access to chips and you're hungry, you're eating the chips. You just are. Correct. And and when you do that over and over, that is is not good for you. So the fact that you're bringing nutrition into the community is, I mean, there's so much that needs to be done to to bring knowledge, to bring you know health and wellness, to bring fresh food, to to bring just resources into some of these communities that that way back were separated from the rest. Like it is not fair. It's terrible. And you would think that that this wouldn't be happening in the United States. And guess what? It is. Yeah, it is happening and it continues to happen and it morphs into something new. So what we're seeing now, I was sharing with my boyfriend, I went to the grocery store and a bag of lettuce is $5.29. So yeah. here it is. Now you're affecting, you know, your working class and they're feeling it. It's, it's just a, a, a terrible cycle that we're in right now. But again, within each crisis, there lies an opportunity for the mm-hmm. right entrepreneur. 
I love that. And I think that that is what COVID showed a lot of us too. Not that we, not that anybody needed to go through that, but we, we did see that there were a lot of things that came out of COVID that were opportunities and that not everybody was harmed by it. There, there were actually people and companies that they created innovative solutions to combat some of the things that were happening because of COVID. Thank God that it wasn't all all bad. Um, and again, not that we needed to go through it, but the message is that that there is opportunity even in crisis like that. Oh, for sure. I have a good friend of mine who, when COVID hit, he shifted his focus with his manufacturing company to create the K9 or K95 masks. You know, there's opportunity. And one thing that I do to inspire myself, you know, I'll ride around and, you know, I'm in Palm Beach County, so we see a lot of wealth here, but there is a great divide. This work that I'm speaking about is happening right here in Palm Beach County. So I'll ride around and I'll see these mansions and it just reminds me, not everyone's broke, (laughs) you know, not everyone is suffering. People are thinking of solutions. Someone is buying. And as an entrepreneur, if you need that jolt to, you know, just re-inspire you or remind you that, hey, someone's winning, that means you're next. Let's get it. I love that. Right. Instead of, and that is all about mindset. And I feel like this is a theme that is coming up. I actually did a lot of interviews today, which I don't normally do. I had three interviews today uh, for the Sugar Coated Podcast. And the, the first one this morning was all about mindset and heart set, which you know, I had sort of never heard before. But when you do kind of lead with your heart, you do see opportunity. And instead of seeing, you know, those mansions, like you talk about and, and saying, I'll never have that or like, hating on on them using it as the the puller of possibility, Mm -hmm. right? If they have that, I can have that too. Or at least I can move toward that. I see it. So if I can see it, then I can move toward it. Right. And also that speaks to making sure we start our day right. Mm, You know, however you start your day dictates your day. When you're speaking about heart and head coherence, you know, we have to be synchronized. And if you're starting your day with your positive affirmations, you're meditating, that means you're using your mind's eye and you're putting out this this type of energy that will attract everything powerful and positive to you. So that is something that we have to start creating as part of our daily habits to make sure that we see what we see in the beginning. Mm, I love that because it is, it's everything is created in our minds, right? The the way that we perceive things is then how we act. We act after we perceive things. And if, if we see things in, an, in a negative way, we're going to act in a negative way. If we see possibility, we're going to move in a positive way. And, you know, I, I see that you, you do, you know, as part of some of your programs that you do teach this um, idea of like meditation and, and mindfulness. And I just, I think that that is such a great component to health and wellness that sometimes doesn't get talked about because it might feel a little woo-woo. But can you talk a little bit about how maybe some of this meditation mindset, positive attitude has helped um, in the communities that you've gone into and with 
with younger people. Yes. We just had a grand opening on the 21st of January. We launched a multi-purpose space for JFK Middle School in Revere Beach. And so this was another lot that wasn't being used right beside a lot that we had developed. And I went to the school district and the principal said, listen, come on, let me develop this for you. And my vision was to create a space, a multi-purpose space to extend their curriculum and their instruction outside. For example, if they do, if they have PE courses, they're pretty much basketball, fitness. But now I developed a meditation area on the space. And now the team and I'm going to provide facilitators. So now the kids as part of their PE instruction can now learn about yoga, meditation, mindfulness, because if you don't learn how to calm yourself down, you will never win. And so meditation, mindfulness, yoga, Pilates, stretching, deep breathing, everything matters. Everything matters. It really does. That is so cool that you did that because, yeah, like I don't know any schools that have like, you know, yoga or (laughs) Pilates. Like that's something that you got to go to the gym for or go to like a studio. So that I I love that you that you've done that. It reminds me there was this uh, study. I, I just heard about it and it was about exercise and sort of the the power of your mind when it comes to even thinking about exercise. And they had uh, interviewed all of these people who were like uh, housekeepers, like house cleaners. And, you know, they interviewed them and they said, like, how much exercise do you get? These house cleaners were like, oh, I'm so busy working all the time that I don't have time for exercise. So that was sort of, you know, they they took their feelings about it and and even their physical health statistics, okay? And then they said to them, "Let's let's reframe this. You are a housekeeper. You are for however many hours a day, you're bending, stretching, pulling, going up and down stairs. Everything that you do as part of your day-to-day life is exercise." Mm-hmm. And once they sort of told these housekeepers like you are exercising, their vitals, their health vitals improved just by reframing the way that they think about what they do. Right, right. No, that's true. That's true because we create a natural resistance to things that we don't understand or we feel are going to be harmful to us. And so if you can reframe it as a benefit to yourself, now you embrace it and your body, I mean, the vibrations of your body naturally calm down. Everything about your health statistics improve when you accept. And that's why acceptance and gratitude go hand in hand. So you hear a lot of people talking about start your day with gratitude because gratitude is an opening type concept and it allows all the positive vibrations to come. And it's just, I mean, that's a whole nother thing. I mean, it's, it's amazing, the power of it. It is amazing. And, and if we can, teach the youth that they have what it takes within them to do whatever it is that they want to do. And then you being the one that's bringing all of this in and showing them, hey, like you, you just started with an idea, right? You just said, I'm going to do this. And you created all of this out of just your sheer will and your thought and 
you know, your openness to whatever is coming through you to guide you to be doing all that you're doing. And I admire what you are doing so much. And I'm so inspired by you. And I I know that so many other people that are listening into the Sugar Coated podcast are going to be so inspired by you too. It's it's what we need. You know, we we need to see people doing great things in the world. And and that's that's one of my missions is to shine a spotlight on people like you that we don't always see in the media, right? But that are doing incredible things for our our world, for our humanity. So so thank you so so much for being on Sugar Coated today. And before I, before I let you go, can you please give everybody the down low on where they can go and you know contribute and help and sign up for newsletters and all of it? Well, well Adrian, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation. It's been so much fun. I just want to put a disclaimer out there. We are bad with social media, but we are getting better. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> okay. Our website in in terms of the big initiative no food gap is nofoodgap.org. Okay? Yeah, they can find us nofoodgap.org and from the website you can find all of our other social media outlets. I think that's a good play there. And, um, you know, thank you so much for the exposure. We love letting people know what we're doing and how we hope to serve. And thank you for putting a spotlight on small organizations like ours. Well, thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Adrian. Have a great day. You too. The She Leads Podcast Network.